Welcome to Exhibition, an Xbox podcast, episode number 48. My name is Samuel Adams, and this is a weekly show dedicated entirely to the world of Xbox, bringing you everything you need to know each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So if you enjoy the show, you like what you see or what you hear, hit that subscribe button on YouTube, add the show to your podcast feed of choice, and come back each and every week, get it delivered directly to your inbox. It's always a good time here on the show. But today, We've got a lot of FPS news to dive into because Halo Infinite Season 2 starts in just a couple of weeks and on top of that we now have an in-depth look at what to expect and when to expect it for Season 2 and also a glimpse at Season 3 and I will say this roadmap is a great start. It's awesome to see transparency and we'll talk about it more in depth in a moment Uh, but the first emotion I felt was admittedly disappointment because I can confirm Six-month seasons are sticking around, it seems, for the foreseeable future because we now have season two coming in and lasting until November. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But on top of that, Modern Warfare 2 looks to be getting some kind of debut pretty soon. Of course, this is a sequel to Modern Warfare 2019. I'll touch briefly on the Battlefield 4.0 update that dropped this week. And on top of that, we have some pretty big Game Pass news with PC Game Pass expanding, new games coming to the service, and some touch controls dropping on some fan favorites. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode of Exhibition. Let's kick off today's show with the Halo Infinite update for April 2022 called The Road Ahead. This comes directly from Joseph Statton over at 343 Industries who writes, Hello everyone. With Season 2 locked and loaded for May 3rd, we want to share a roadmap of what we are planning to deliver during Season 2 and for the rest of the year. More than anything else, we want this roadmap to be accurate and reliable. Some items and dates are certain. As these are clearly listed, others are marked as targets or goals, and they will become more certain over time. The roadmap's time frame will also expand as we announce longer-term initiatives. In other words, this roadmap is an evolving document and will let you know when we make changes to it. With all that in mind, here is the Halo Infinite roadmap for 2022, and here we have it. Let's dive in. This is something that I've been waiting for for a very long time, because a roadmap is a fundamental part of making sure that everybody knows what to expect and when to expect it. I think that with Season 1, especially going into Season 1 ahead of the launch of Halo Infinite, uh, there was kind of a lack of transparency, or at least a lack of awareness of when the season would end initially. I think that that was kind of a shock to us all to see that come and last all the way until today, going until May the 3rd, or I should say May the 2nd. I suppose. Uh, But regardless, it seems they have taken that feedback and implemented it well here with an entire roadmap for us to dig into. And first and foremost, you do see the announcement that Lone Wolves Season 2 of Halo Infinite is going to last from May the 3rd until November the 7th. So, Once again, let's recap what we get. We have new maps, including Catalyst, an arena map, and Breaker, the big team battle map. We have new game modes, King of the Hill, Land Grab, and Last Barton Standing. And then there are also narrative events coming May 3rd through the 16th and July 19th through August the 1st with the Interference Alpha Pack. And we'll talk about that more in a moment deeper into the blog. There is also a brand new 100 tier battle pass with a free armor core and earnable credits to use in the store, which is something that is new that is being added this time around a brand new fracture entrenched event series coming with week one starting may 24th through the 30th and the campaign network co-op coming with a late august target 
Additionally, there is the campaign mission replay coming with a late August target, the Forge open beta coming in September, and that is of course a target date, and then tons of quality of life improvements along the way. So brief pause right here. I just have to vent and say that at the end of the day, the interference alpha pack narrative events, that's all well and good. The battle pass, that is to be expected. Those are fine, but when it comes down to the actual gameplay, when it comes down to new content that is going to fundamentally change the experience outside of just cosmetics through a new armor core, you have two new maps and three new modes, one of which, I should say, is a return to Halo. We now have King of the Hill coming back into the mix. So, in short, you really have two new modes and two new maps and one returning mode. That is just not enough content to warrant players coming back and sticking around for six months. That, for me, is enough content to warrant about one to two weeks of this game feeling fresh. That's just the reality of the situation from my perspective. Now, we'll get into the blog more, but let's go ahead and jump back into it. This roadmap reflects the same studio priorities that we shared back in March, addressing issues negatively impacting player experience, completing Season 2 and delivering it as promised on May 3rd, continuing to work on Campaign Co-op, Forge, and Season 3, with a priority zero of team health and getting ourselves into a sustainable development rhythm so that we can deliver great experiences to all of you while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. We know we need to deliver more content and more features more quickly. Staying true to priority zero means that sometimes we need to slow down in order to stay healthy and move faster later, but we're also aggressively looking at ways to accelerate. So we'll get into those acceleration methods in a moment, but once again, jumping back into the timeline here, I fully acknowledge that priority zero is the top priority, and that is the work-life balance of the team and making sure that crunch is not a part of the culture at Microsoft in general, at Xbox Game Studios, and specifically at 343. With that being said, season three, and preferably the last half of season two even, has to be faster. We've got to get more agile with this development because Halo Infinite needs to be able to keep pace with Call of Duty Warzone and with Fortnite. And while those don't have fundamentally game-changing uh, events that happen on a week-to-week -week basis, you see some pretty new stuff on at least a couple of every month. So, you know, I think quarterly is a pretty good cadence of when to expect new maps, new modes, that kind of thing. Keep in mind, at this point, by the time Season 2 wraps up, which will have, again, two new maps, three new modes, hopefully some more modes come down the line, uh, but as of right now, two new maps, three new modes, that's going to be coming out roughly about the one-year mark of this game being on the market as a free-to-play experience. Two new maps and three new modes for a year? I don't know, man. That's just... That's a stretch for me to warrant that. And I feel like I've been always on the side of 343 whenever I discuss the general state of Halo Infinite. I like the game. It does need more content. Uh, but at this point, we do have to be finally ironing out these kinks. And when Season 3 launches, it needs to be shorter and it needs to have more content packed into it at a faster cadence or at a more uh, frequent cadence, I should say. 
because people have so many opportunities to play games these days uh, when it comes to first-person shooters. Again, I've mentioned Fortnite. I've mentioned Call of Duty. There's Apex Legends. There's so many other games that are coming out there that are free to play. And on top of that, for those that have Game Pass, that opens up an entirely new world of first-person shooters. And so when it comes to the multiplayer experiences specifically, Halo is a name that is a household brand at this point. And you have an opportunity to keep people tuned in. And when you have the competition that is just stomping you in terms of what the content is that's being produced, there has to be a higher level of agility here to warrant people coming back in, logging in, and checking things out that isn't just a cosmetic on a weekly mission reward. That is good, but we have to do better. Now, digging into uh, not the maps, not the modes, but what else is coming. The Campaign Network Co-op, that's going to be very cool. Campaign Mission Replay, that's going to be very cool as well. Late August Target seems fair, but at the same time, I would love to see more Campaign DLC. I think that's something uh, that I think could be coming at about the one-year mark. That's just my estimate. Uh, but I would love to see some more campaign content to supplement the lack of multiplayer content uh, because I love diving into Halo Infinite's single player campaign. It's very fun. And even the post game content where you can go and finish clearing out uh, all of the bases and the finding the collectibles and things like that. All of that is well and good, but I would love to see campaign DLC with different biomes. I would love to see uh, more story building out what happens next for Chief after the campaign of Halo Infinite as the base game finishes up. Uh, those are the kind of things that I would like to see. And somebody also on Twitter pointed out that October is notably silent for the uh, battle pass, or I should say season two progression here. Uh, and so with October potentially kind of desolate. Is that just going to be a blank slate or do they have something planned that could be coming down the line? Time will only tell. I'm also excited about more quality of life improvements. Those, of course, are going to be determined on an as-needed basis, but I'm sure they have some details as to what they are working on right now. Now, what gets to be interesting here is what they go into next here in the blog, saying, for example, we want to get the Forge toolset into your hands sooner rather than later so that the awesome community maps and modes can more rapidly make their way into the game. To make this happen, we are targeting a Forge open beta later in Season 2. We've successfully had Forge and private flighting with a limited audience for some time, so we've decided to forego a large-scale formal flighting program and go right to open beta. With this approach, we can get the core Forge tools out to everyone quicker, while also remaining focused on our core priority of continuing to improve foundational aspects of Halo Infinite. Forge will persist from the open beta onwards, evolving and growing over time. So effectively, what that means is that Forge is going to be launching in Season 2 rather than in Season 3 or beyond. That's a good move. Forge is a fundamental part of Halo. It's where so many of these fan-favorite modes have come from to begin with uh, that I'm excited for the community to get the toolset into their hands and start building cool experiences that aren't going to be included in the base game. With that being said, for me personally, I don't really play Halo for the community-made modes or uh, even community-made maps, if that's going to be something that we see brought into the game in full. Uh, what I play Halo for are those curated experiences, those maps that grow uh, into these famous experiences like Blood Gulch, you know, that kind of stuff, where it rises to a level of fame, and that's because 343 or Bungie, whoever made the map for the specific game, uh, has taken the time to develop this and deliver an experience. 
Forge is great for keeping people busy, but for me personally, I want that very high quality curated kind of experience. And that's what 343 still has to deliver. And I think Forge is just kind of uh, trying to put a piece of duct tape over the hole in the boat. You know what I mean? Where it's just trying to keep things afloat until more content comes down the line. Now, I do think that is a good move. I think that moving up the Forge release date and foregoing that second flight and going right into open beta is something that will bring people back into the game, especially if the game starts to get some traction on Twitch. You know, you start to see streamers create new experiences that may not be uh, seen before, something that's entirely new. I think that's going to definitely add some publicity for the game and get people coming back, especially with this being free to play. Now, on top of that, they also mentioned quality of life improvement which is shorthand for bug fixes, new features, and or content to address issues negatively impacting the player experience. They'll be delivering quality of life improvements as part of season releases and as separate updates during season. Our player-focused term for QOL updates that land during seasons is drop pods, and much like their ODST namesakes, these release vehicles are meant to drop in hot just as soon as they're ready. Our target is to drop one pod every month, and so you can expect drop pods to vary in scope and size. We'll have more to share about what's going into Season 2's drop pods as soon as possible after Season 2 launch, so in short, monthly quality of life updates, which I think is a great cadence to hit. So. It's important to note here that there's also going to be a live stream next Wednesday, April the 27th at 1 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash halo and youtube.com slash halo. So if you do want to see more about what's coming in season two and a more in-depth look at this roadmap, you can totally tune in. Check that out. Now, looking ahead past season two, which again is going to be running May 3rd through November the 7th. There is also Season 3, which starts on November the 8th, which includes a new battle pass, new maps, new modes, new sandbox items, new narrative events, a new fracture event, Forge open beta, quality of life improvements, and campaign split-screen co-op, which has a timing TBD note. Season 3 is shaping up to be the season where Halo Infinite really hits its stride, and I think that's kind of going to be the story that history tells here. I think that season one was a huge learning period for 343. I think that season two is going to be a planning period for 343, where there are improvements in terms of cadence, there is more content, but they're still learning how to hone in on creating this content. I hope that season three, season four, and beyond, that's when we start to see quarterly updates when it comes to maps and modes, maybe even more frequent than that. Uh, just a more reactionary kind of approach to say, hey, we hear what you're saying, here's the update, et cetera, et cetera, more content coming. That's what I'm hoping to see if that makes sense. Uh, so this is pretty much what the outline is. And on top of that, those new maps and new modes got detailed. We saw the maps detailed last week. The modes got detailed this week. And you can see everything in a second blog over on Halo Waypoint with the modes preview. Lone Wolf Season 2 of Halo Infinite is less than two short weeks away. Launching May 3rd, we've got a lot of exciting new content coming to the game. Last week, we took a closer look at Season 2's new maps, Catalyst and Breaker, and today we're exploring three new modes and additional variants, which feature a mix of returning favorites and something new to Halo. So, we have, of course, King of the Hill, which is a classic returning once again. Now, there is a little bit of a twist to this one. A neutral hill spawns on the map and two teams battle it out to control the hill and earn points. When a 
player enters a hill uncontested, it is captured and begins earning one point per second into a capture bar. When a team's capture bar is full, they score one point and a new hill spawns somewhere else on the map. Then there is also land grab, where you control the zones. At the start of the match, there are three neutral zones around the map. When a player captures a zone, it is locked and gives their team one point. When all zones are captured, there's an intermission before three new neutral zones spawn, and the first team to score 11 points wins. Then we have last Spartan standing. The objective is to survive. In this free-for-all experience, 12 players spawn on a big team battle map with a confined loadout and five respawns. Once a player runs out of respawns and can no longer participate, they can either spectate or leave the match without penalty. If a player gets a kill in the match, they can upgrade to a different weapon, something players of Escalation Slayer will no doubt be familiar with, which is effectively gun game for my Call of Duty friends out there. The match ends when there is just one Spartan left standing. So a lot of people have been saying this is the uh, uh, Battle Royale. It's not the Battle Royale. It's basically a variant on Free For All with Escalation Slayer thrown in. I think personally that with certain affinity coming on board with 343 and partnering up for uh, an expansion of the Halo Infinite world, I think that's when you're going to be seeing a legitimate battle royale. I think that's going to be something that's entirely in its own tier. But this is something that will certainly scratch that itch. My question is, I'm curious as to how people enjoy this as compared to a Warzone or an Apex Legends, because I think that you're going to be seeing a line drawn directly between those two and comparing these experiences, and I personally don't think they're comparable. Uh, this is more so, again, uh, an entirely new mode rather than something that is really the battle royale that we've all come to know and love. Uh, and so with this one, I'm definitely going to be diving into this. Personally, I think that uh, out of all three of these new modes, I like the way that land grab sounds. I think that might be my favorite just because I'm an objective player. Uh, but for those that just like getting kills, Last Spartan Standing sounds like a fantastic solo experience. And I think that a ton of people that play Halo Infinite today are those solo players. And so to see you have... Uh, various team-based modes like King of the Hill and Land Grab coming, but on top of that, something that really is catering to those single players, I think that's all fantastic. So you can look deeper into those maps if you would like, and the modes as well. There are videos on both of those topics ready and waiting for you, and they do a great job of going into it. But just to round out this part of the conversation on today's show... I love the transparency and I love the roadmap. I think it's fantastic to know well ahead of time that we are going to be seeing season two all the way until November. And this is what to expect. And this is when you're probably going to get it. The things that have dates are concrete. The things that don't have dates or time ranges are not. That's great. What I hope to see is that 343 continues to iterate and improve upon their development process to where we can get more modes, more maps at a faster cadence to where Halo Infinite really can compete on the global scale with Call of Duty and with Apex Legends uh, in terms of getting people back into the game. Because when you go free to play, that opens up an entirely new world of possibilities and a higher level of expectations. And I think that is something that is worth considering. Now, I know that I've been critical of Halo Infinite Season 2, but that is not to say that I am not incredibly excited to dive in. I'm still playing Halo Infinite today, along with a lot of the games that came out last year, but Halo Infinite is the game that I keep coming back to because it feels good, it plays very well, and it is a wonderful Halo experience. 
it just needs more content. If you're anything like me and grew up on Call of Duty, you'll know that Modern Warfare 2 was phenomenal and remains one of the best Call of Duties ever made. And just as a bit of a background for my personal experience, I grew up playing Call of Duty. That was like my game. And when Modern Warfare 2 launched, I have a specific memory. I was about to go into high school. I think maybe I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, something like that, around that middle school time frame. And every day from August until November, I would come into the lunchroom and sit with my friends at lunch. And I would say 187 days left the next day, 186, 185. And I would count down every single day until Modern Warfare 2 launched. And when it launched, it did not disappoint. Digging into the map packs, the map packs were phenomenal. The content kept on coming. I loved Modern Warfare 2. And so, with that being said, I have very high expectations for 2022's Modern Warfare 2, which is a sequel to Modern Warfare 2019, and it looks like we have a reveal coming soon, because Infinity Ward is teasing Ghost after their social media handles went dark on Friday, and a new header image seems to allude to Ghost making a return. Of course, this is something that we think uh, is pretty much a given at this point, but Sources said the single-player story is a grittier take on Modern Warfare 2019's campaign, with more close-quarters combat, tricky decision-making, and the classic Call of Duty set-piece moments fans have come to expect, and as first reported by VGC, Modern Warfare 2's campaign will be centered around the drug war against Colombian cartels. So that's pretty much all we know so far, and again, you can see it right now over on Twitter if you want to go check it out, uh, but Infinity Ward has indeed gone dark, so I would expect some kind of announcement made maybe even as early as next week, uh, which for me personally is a bit shocking just because we aren't really in that summer announcement season. And we've seen them adjust their cadence for announcements over the course of the past few years just because we had COVID impacting development cycles. Uh, we had Vanguard not land that well. Uh, and we've seen just a lot of various reception of Call of Duty. Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, uh, generally well-received, pretty good game. Uh, Vanguard, not so much. Then you also have Modern Warfare 2 coming out this year. So uh, you see them testing out new waters. And of course, behind the scenes, Activision Blizzard is riddled in controversies right now. Bobby Kotick is still in the news. I saw headlines this week on him uh, and his Facebook girlfriend. Uh, not a girlfriend he found on Facebook, a girlfriend who works at Facebook trying to uh, call calm down some reports on him. And so with controversies abounding behind the scenes, you know that has to seep into the company culture and impact ultimately the games at the end of the day. Uh, so we will see what they have coming, but I will tell you, I really hope this game is good. And in the past couple of years, my interest in Call of Duty has declined, mainly because for me, I've played so much Call of Duty in my life that I know what's coming. The guns largely feel the same. The maps have the same kind of experience for the most part. Uh, and I will also say that the way that guns and weapon customization has changed in recent years uh, to where weapons are not earned through general progression, but you might have to find some in a, in a crate or you might earn some from a challenge or it could come at a drop at a later date. I just miss being able to say, all right, I'm starting the game. It's day one. I open up the customization menu and I see that the intervention is unlocked at level 70. 
And I know that no matter when I get there, whether it's this year or next year, I have the intervention unlocked at level 70. These are the guns coming to the game. You might have the occasional drop, as we saw in recent years, uh, but I wish that the gun unlocks and the customization and things like that were simpler. It seems like it's gotten a bit convoluted in the past few years. Just my personal take, being an old man at this point. Uh, so, with my complaining aside... Uh, very excited to see Modern Warfare 2. I'll definitely pick it up for the campaign if it looks good, which I do think that it will look good. Infinity Ward, I think, still is just the benchmark when it comes to delivering a good Call of Duty experience. So I'm excited to learn more, and of course, as an old school fan of Modern Warfare 2, you know I love some Captain Price and Ghost. You know I do. We gotta keep them coming back, man. And they're keeping me coming back with this. Speaking of things I keep coming back to, Battlefield 2042's update 4.0 is out now. It dropped on April the 19th and it brought voice over IP functionality for party and squads, a change to end of round that displays the scoreboard as well as an overhaul of weapon attachments. It also includes many further changes and bug fixes detailed in full below, such as, and the list continues to go on. You can just check it out for yourself if you would like. You see just a laundry list of changes that are coming to everything from specialists to vehicles to weapons to maps to modes. So much going on here. And even the UI has tweaked itself a bit, or I should say the team has tweaked the UI a bit. But I bring up Battlefield 2042 because this is the first week since Battlefield 2042 launched that I have seen Battlefield creators genuinely excited for the future of this game. Uh, or at the very least, you see some of the most critical members of the community saying that it's a step in the right direction. Now, this is not something that has been well-received for everyone, and understandably so, uh, because it's just basically getting the game to the point that it should have been when it launched last year. But with all of that being said, for me personally... I'm having a very good time. Battlefield 2042 has been a game that I continue to come back to, and I've played it basically about every week since the game launched last year, if only to get the skin, which does not take that long to get, generally about a 30-minute kind of time frame uh, to unlock that weekly, depending on the requirements. But there's just something about this game that feels good, and I think that for me, I see a ton of people comparing it to Battlefield 1 and Battlefield 5, talking about how those games were so much better. And albeit they probably were a higher quality, not even probably, they were a higher quality. Uh, the gunplay in Battlefield 2042 is more akin to what I want from the experience, which is an arcade-style uh, gameplay feel rather than something that's more simulator kind of approached. Uh, it seems like 1 and 5 just kind of felt very uh, real for me, which is not really what I want from a game. For instance, in Battlefield 2042, I want to be able to jump off of a skyscraper, uh, open up my wingsuit, fly across the map, land, and then annihilate four people with my assault rifle, uh, and then call in a ranger drone that drops down next to me and starts jogging and shooting people down. That's the kind of thing that I want from Battlefield, uh, and that's what I get from Battlefield 2042. Uh, now, I will say, this is something that I'm not telling you to go out and play it. I'm not telling you to go out and buy it. But what I will say is that earlier this week, I saw Wario64 tweet out that a copy of this game was $5. For five bucks, it's definitely worth it. I would not buy the game at full price. And I'm certainly not going to be picking up uh, the 
content drops, the the additional content that's coming, because I think that's $35, 40 bucks, something like that, uh, for the seasonal updates and the new maps and modes and whatnot. I'm not paying for that because I don't think the game has earned that money yet. Uh, but if the community comes back in 2042 sees a resurgence, I will consider it because I want them to continue improving this game. Now, the big question is, Will we see year two content for Battlefield 2042? Year three content? I mean, you look and see what Rainbow Six Siege has done, and that's a game that keeps on giving. I don't think Battlefield 2042 is that game. I think that the brand uh, respect for the 2042 name has dropped off just as much as the name for Battlefield itself has. And so I don't know uh, that we are going to be seeing long-term updates for this specific experience. But I wanted to mention this because if you're a first-person shooter fan and you find a copy of this for a good deal, I would say it's worth 30 bucks, 40 bucks. You're probably pushing it, uh, but around 30 bucks, great deal. Definitely, uh, you know, give it a shot. See if you like it. Uh, and uh, as they continue improving the game, it will continue to get better. And I will say this week is the best the Battlefield has felt since it launched last year. Now let's head over to Pure Xbox with Ben Carey writing that Sega is reportedly bringing back Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio as big budget reboots. This comes from Bloomberg that dropped on April the 19th, a story that reports what the company is planning for its Super Games Initiative, a program seemingly aiming to bring its IP into the live service era. It appears the first steps are to bring back two classics, Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio. According to the report, a Crazy Taxi reboot has been in the works for a year already, with release still two or three years away. Jet Set Radio is early in development too, and the report says that either could still be cancelled depending on how development progresses. The report regularly mentions Fortnite, Epic's ever-popular money-making machine. It looks like Sega, like plenty of other companies, has seen the success of the Battle Royale and wants a piece of that pie. We're not sure either of these series will quite get there, but it seems a switch to live service is Sega's next move. Last year, Sega revealed the company was teaming up with Microsoft to form a strategic alliance that explores ways for Sega to produce large-scale global games using the Azure Cloud platform, and you never know, this could also open the door for the titles to hit Xbox Game Pass. So, first and foremost, face value. Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio coming back. 100% on board. Those are two classics that I would love to see uh, rethought, remade for this generation. Now, bringing them back as live service games, not as big on that. That's not a good idea. And I'll tell you why. Uh, because these games still, to this day, have tons and tons of love in the community. And to come back and say, hey, here's Crazy Taxi, by the battle pass, you're going to lose some people on that. Jet Set Radio, where are we dropping, boys? And then you drop in and it's Jet Set Radio in Fortnite. I don't know, man. Like that kind of experience? I don't think so. I think you're better off remaking these games, spending less money and not trying to make them into live service games and focusing that initiative elsewhere. Plus, neither of these really feel like live service games in my mind. Uh, but to hear that they're working with the IP, I think is pretty good. I'm excited to see Crazy Taxi specifically. Uh, and of course, we also have that other Jet Set Radio-esque game coming out this year on Nintendo Switch. I forget what it's called. I tweeted about it earlier this week. Uh, but regardless, you have a lot of love for both of these, and I would love to see them get treated with the respect that they do deserve. And will that happen? 
yet to be determined. Uh, but Sega is working with Microsoft on a technology side, and of course those conversations can evolve. So this very well could be a Game Pass drop. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, and the other big question is, if this is a live service game, both of these, Will this be something that's free to play to begin with? I don't know. Uh, just questions that I have. And personally, I don't even know if this report is correct. It just feels like it doesn't fit. You know, like, hey, we're making Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio reboots. Awesome. Sounds good. As live service games, I feel like these two conversations might have gotten muddled together. That's just my perception of it, uh, but we will just have to wait and see. And of course, as always, stay tuned. We'll talk about it right here on the show. When it comes to Xbox Game Pass, it continues to be a fantastic deal that just keeps on giving. But PC Game Pass has now launched in five new countries in Southeast Asia, spreading those good deals to more people around the world. These countries include Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam. And all PC players can get started for three months for just $1 USD. Of course, PC Game Pass includes over 100 high-quality games, including Xbox Game Studios releases, Bethesda games, and of course, those included on EA Play. Uh, so overall, fantastic news here as Microsoft continues to expand and bring these experiences to more players around the world. But of course, on top of bringing more games to more players, we also have even more games coming to even more players. Coming soon to Xbox Game Pass, Bug Snacks, Unsold, Seven Days to Die, and more. Megan Spur over at Xbox Game Pass writes, I'm happy to report that more games are coming to Game Pass. Please share your favorite shocked face meme. We've got you all covered on the games you can play soon, updates for ones you're probably already playing, and more cloud-enabled games coming with touch controls. There are more games on the horizon we'll give you a sneak peek into, so let's dive in. And I will say, stay tuned, there's a bit of an interesting twist to this story. More Ubisoft games are coming to Game Pass. Here's that twist I was talking about. I'm excited to share that we are working with Ubisoft to bring even more incredible games to the Xbox Game Pass library. In the next two months, Assassin's Creed Origins will join the library for cloud, console, and PC via the Ubisoft Connect app. We will also bring For Honor Marching Fire Edition to PC via Ubisoft Connect app, an upgrade to the Marching Fire Edition for cloud and console. So, what you have here is a fantastic expansion of Ubisoft getting more integrated into the Xbox Game Pass ecosystem. And my question is, how convoluted will this be with the Ubisoft Connect app? I've used it before, seems pretty straightforward, uh, but interested to see how this actually works. On top of that, I will mention, Origins is fantastic. Probably my favorite Assassin's Creed game from this recent trilogy that we've seen. Uh, so keep that in mind. Definitely worth diving into. Uh, and For Honor is a game that keeps giving content to players. And so it's fantastic to see the Marching Fire Edition uh, getting added to the service itself. But on top of that, available today, you have F1 2021 via the cloud and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered also coming to the cloud, along with Turn a Boy Commits Tax Evasion coming to cloud console and PC. You can check all three of those out right now. Of course, I believe that F1 2021 and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered were already in the service, but they are now coming to the cloud. Then coming soon on April the 26th, we have Seven Days to Die coming to cloud console and PC along with Research and Destroy coming to console and PC and Bug Snacks coming on April 28th to cloud console and PC along with Unsold coming to console and PC. 
So out of all of these, I feel like they're pretty straightforward, uh, but Unsold is a game where you test your reflexes to the limit and land uber satisfying combos in Unsold, a punishingly difficult yet fair action RPG, just to give you some context on that one. Additionally, Research and Destroy is where you take control of three brilliant super scientists in this turn-based action game as you research and develop strange new weapons and gadgets to destroy these supernatural hordes that have all but crushed humanity. Some big DLC game updates are coming for Age of Empires 4, Ark Survival Evolved, No Man's Sky, of course, has a new update that's available now with the Outlaws edition. Uh, and then Minecraft Dungeons Luminous Night, a seasonal adventure on Season 2, is coming on April the 20th. Uh, and of course, plenty of perks, including some Halo Infinite stuff here. So... All things considered, good drop. I think out of everything here, I'm most excited about the fact that Ubisoft is continuing to expand this partnership. The big question, of course, is will Ubisoft Plus ever be looped into Game Pass? And I think back to one of the conversations we had in previous months when this conversation was brought up then. And I say, how long until... Xbox has to raise the cost of Xbox Game Pass for players because of how much is offered. EA Play, Ubisoft Plus, and Xbox Game Studios games all being included in that subscription just seems too good to be true for 15 bucks a month for Ultimate. There has to be some kind of price increase, and it could come sometime around May. Maybe that's one of the announcements they have planned for the inevitable showcase. Uh, so we will have to stay tuned and see. But as for right now, just throwing games into the service, I think is good because it allows Ubisoft Plus to exist and scratch that itch for Ubisoft executives. But it also gives Game Pass players, I should say Game Pass players, uh, a couple of new games to play from that library that could make them make that jump and go over to Ubisoft plus not a bad move at all on top of that if you play on the go ubisoft touch controls have been added to 12 more games including ben 10 besiege danganronpa trigger happy havoc anniversary edition edge of eternity hitman trilogy which is a weird one lawn mowing simulator need for speed hot pursuit remastered paw patrol race with ryan transformers battlegrounds windjammers 2 and zero escape the nonary games out of all of these, I'm excited to check out Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered with Touch, uh, but the big takeaway here is that I love how touch controls are continuing to be added because it gives players more ways to experience these games without the need for additional hardware. Specifically, one that I find interesting is the Hitman trilogy. I don't see that being one that feels great on touch. I have not gotten into it and checked it out for myself, uh, but I'm interested to see how that one works. The bigger takeaway here is that these quote-unquote kids games that are being added to the service are starting to get the mobile treatment. And I think that's where you see a lot of value for parents specifically come into play. Because let's say you're waiting in line at the DMV. Horrendous day. Horrible start to the day. And your kid is with you and they're bored. You can whip out your Xbox app via iPhone or via Android and say, hey, here, play Transformers Battlegrounds. Hey, here, play Paw Patrol. And you can just let them go and do it. Uh, now, that's not something you should do all the time with your kids, just my two cents. Uh, but it is a great way to enhance the value the Game Pass can bring and bring that value to more players of every age. And I think that's great for parents, for kids, for whoever might be playing on Game Pass. So that's all well and good. 
Important to note, a couple of games leaving Game Pass. On April the 30th, we have Cricket 19, Outlast 2, Secret Neighbor, and Streets of Rage 4 all heading off. And of course, you do get that 20% discount if you do want to pick them up and keep them for good. So keep that in mind. But overall, great little additions for Xbox Game Pass here, especially in terms of functionality for some of those experiences you might be playing on the go. Finally, to round out this week's show, we did have Earth Day last week and Xbox was celebrating. And you can keep those celebrations going with some fantastic in-game gimmies coming from Jordan Granger over on the Xbox Social Impact Marketing team. He writes, Today, Team Xbox is excited to celebrate Earth Day. Our mission is to bring the joy and community of gaming to everyone on the planet. We also recognize the impact the gaming has on our environment. Microsoft has set ambitious commitments to significantly reduce the company's environmental impact and operate as a carbon-negative, water-positive, and zero-waste company by 2030. In support of this, Xbox is also working to reduce its negative environmental impact while continuing to produce the high-quality gaming products and experiences our fans know and love. And of course, we've talked about the sustainability efforts in weeks past, but here are some ways you can support on Earth Day. Of course, you can donate those Microsoft Rewards points to the World Wildlife Fund, Water.org, and the Nature Conservancy. But on top of that, you can also explore some amazing worlds with Xbox Game Pass and Jurassic World Evolution, Subnautica Below Zero, Craftopia, and Fae, along with many, many others. Some Minecraft merch is there as well. Now here's where things get interesting. The Hog Wild nameplate for Halo the Master Chief Collection is available from April 20th to the 27th. If you do want to dive in and check that out, you have a Forza livery available right now for the 2015 BMW i8, a hybrid plug-in electric vehicle ready and waiting for you, in Forza Horizon 5 and Forza Horizon 4. Very cool stuff. In Forza Motorsport 7, players will receive the same car themed livery as well as rare Earth Day themed driver gear by participating in the Celebrate Earth Day Rivals event set on the picturesque rolling hills of Virginia International Raceway. Very cool stuff there. As a note for Forza Horizon 5 and 4 players, you can check it out in the Endgame Message Center. On top of that, you also have more celebrations in Age of Empires. You have some Obsidians Grounded with an art contest and t-shirt sale benefiting the Captain Planet Foundation. you love to see it there. Uh, and also some gamer picks, profile themes, and avatar items are ready and waiting for you. A very cool hoodie, a nice little theme, an icon here for your dashboard. Uh, love to see all of these celebrations across various games. And one thing that I love about Xbox is that for the majority of the controllers and accessories, they're starting to shift more towards reusable items, reused plastic, for instance. Uh, and sustainability is important. It's not always at the front of mind, uh, but there's a lot of waste that can be generated. And while a lot of special editions include things like booklets and include various additional items like plastic statues, etc. Uh, I think that minimalism is very important. And while it's not something they call out here in the post, I did want to say uh, that Xbox Game Pass as a service is probably doing a lot to save landfill from a lot of regions around the world because for games uh, that might get purchased, then resold, then rebought, then resold, and eventually the disc gets lost and thrown away or the box gets lost and it falls out of a truck or something and lands on the side of the highway, uh, being able to move away from physical 
is a great option to have for people. And I know that some people like myself like physical games, uh, but Game Pass eliminates the need for any kind of tangible item. And I know that you don't own it forever. Uh, I think that's an important element for some people. But for those that don't mind foregoing ownership, in lieu of getting these experiences or in exchange for getting these experiences without having physical boxes and for a low monthly cost, I think that's probably doing a lot for the environment. Just something to consider there. But awesome efforts here. And as soon as I get off of this podcast, I'm actually going to go boot up the Master Chief Collection and get that uh, little nameplate on top of that. I'm going to boot up Forza Horizon 5 and check out that livery on the BMW uh, because I love that kind of stuff. It's up there with weeklies for me. I just love getting in-game cosmetics. Can't get enough of it. That wraps up this week's episode of Exhibition, an Xbox podcast. If you enjoy the show, you like what you see, you hear, hit that subscribe button. And of course, as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on YouTube in the comment section, on Twitter, wherever you want to drop me a line. Please let me know. Are you excited about Halo Infinite Season 2? Is this a good cadence for content? Are you coming back to Battlefield 2042? Are you diving in, redeeming these things for Earth Day and Forza in Halo? Or are you doing anything else right now in your gaming life? Would love to hear from you. And on top of that, I will say, going forward, just as a bit of housekeeping, I am looking forward to getting more developers on, collaborating with more creators. Uh, my life has been kind of crazy lately, started a new job, easing into that. A lot of life things happening in the real world. So hopefully we'll get back to more diversified content, but for now, I appreciate you checking out just me rambling about games. Because let's be honest, I'd be doing it anyway. Just no one would be listening. So thanks. But until next week, you guys have a fantastic one. I'll talk to you soon and keep on playing.